Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome back to the No Huddle Show with Mike and Sam. Uh, we're trying this again. The first one was a complete clusterfuck, and it didn't really work out very good. So uh, we had some technical difficulties, and I know you guys don't care, but we were trying. Uh, so Sam is hopefully going to have some better luck connecting now. Uh, so he should be joining us shortly as we try the brand new, brand new start. So we're gonna go with this, uh, and let's try and see. Sam, fingers crossed, we're going live. Hello, Sam. I swear, is your phone not working? I don't know what's going on. It worked okay before. Oh, Lord. This is not how I wanted this show to start. We cannot hear you, Sam. At all. It's not working out today. It's just this is a fucking shit show. And it's not working, so... Uh, what we're going to do is, I'm just going to say, fuck it, we're going to let it ride today. Um, we're going to do our best today, but uh, hopefully Friday works a little better. Not quite sure what's going on. Sam. Sam. We have no audio from you whatsoever. All right, I know what I'm going to do. Let's try this. All right, Sam, I think it's finally on the line. Am I uh, conferenced in, Mike? Yeah. Conference in. I have no idea what's going on with this. Uh, it just keeps giving me the uh, connect to the broadcast, and it says if you can't connect, dial in. But the dial in's not working either. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what seems to be the issue. I, we had no problems before when you were yeah road. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, we all right. Talking about before before we ended the show and we started again, so this is going to be a little bit of um, well, I don't know. Hopefully, our equipment works a little bit better on Friday. But uh, I was talking a little bit about Taysom Hill and uh, James Winston, and we'll have Raj dialing in in about 15 minutes uh, from the Rum Boys. But uh, the biggest issue uh, we were talking about, we won't spend a ton of time on this uh, since we've kind of already covered it. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Saints apparently have said that they don't know who their starter is going to be, and I think that's a big problem when they just gave Taysom Hill $140 million, and apparently he's not the guy to be the the, the, the starter, or at least the foregone com- conclusion to be the starter. And I wanted to get your opinion on that, is if you, if you pay a guy $140 million over four years, shouldn't he kind of be – the number one starter, if you're giving him that kind of money? I mean, he better be starting for some position, if not for quarterback. He better yeah. be start, starting tight end, starting wide receiver. Wherever they want to start him, He for $140 million on his contract, I don't know what the guaranteed money is exactly across that, across four years as well, but if, it's, if, it's, if you're paying him a, a decent premium, decent amount of money, then you, the, the expectation is that he would see the field, right? Because he's there, you paid him money, you know, knowing that he would be the difference on, uh, you know, um, on the team. So you, you would expect him to play. If not, I mean, I could see how the quarterback situation might be a little up and down right now in New Orleans, right, with Breeze being gone. But um, 
I mean, they got to start him or they got to play him. They, they, you know what? At the at the least, what they have to do is they got to do a little Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke experiment that they're doing out in Denver. At but, least to see who's going to win it out. But which is fine. But you know, he has you know x amount of money uh, guaranteed that's built in. So it's like I don't know when they can get rid of him if he's not the answer because they just signed him in twenty. They literally just signed him in March of this year to the extension. And so if he's not the guy, how soon can the Saints get out of this contract? Uh, because if, if he's not the guy and they go Jameis Winston, then, I, I, you know, it's not like it's not like Sam Darnold in Carolina is in the last year of his rookie deal. And if he doesn't work out this year, they can just be like, all right, well, we tried. Uh, we're going to quarterback now. Right. You, you know, you can't tie up 140 you know, honestly, the way it looks to me is that he's guaranteed through this year and next year. And so it wouldn't be until at the end of next year to where the money would be less uh, to where they can uh, financially take, take the dead cap hit. See, you know what? They have a really goofy way of actually working out his contract because I'm, I'm actually looking up some okay. – I, I, now I remember, uh, you know, about that contract when it came out. Everyone was going wild, um, you know, with with you know the amount of money that was being given. I, I'm, I'm just taking a quick look over here. It looks like his his still his guaranteed money is still like it's ridiculous. I think it's like ten million still. It's it's not much. Right. It's not much. He, you know, the contract it has a ten million dollar signing signing bonus, a couple of roster bonuses, some incentives. Okay. But I think they can. It's front loaded where they can get rid of him after a year or two. No. If it doesn't work out Correct. pretty much this year, they can they can move on. Okay. Correct. Well, Correct. Let, let me ask you. We saw limited amounts of Taysom Hill last year. I believe he started four games or so for the same mm-hmm. when Breeze got hurt. We haven't really seen Winston go with the first-team offense, but which quarterback do you think makes the Saints offense go better? Because to me, Taysom Hill is like Cordell Stewart was for Pittsburgh. <laughs> It's a good uh, comp, actually. <laughs> I would say that's a pretty good comp. Um, you know, uh, a great runner, obviously. Right. Cardell Stewart was a great runner. Um, Taysom Hill, obviously, can run run the ball. He's a great scrambler. Cordell Stewart, unfortunately, was not very accurate, and neither is Taysom Hill. I, I don't think so, at least. You know, um, right. I, we haven't asked him to do, uh, you know, to throw in a, a you know a five yard window of below the knees like a Brady type of throw. They haven't asked him to do any of that, so. I don't know if he can do if he has all the other intangibles of an actual quarterback, but that's a really good comp because Cordell Stewart still made a difference on that team, right? Well, he still he was, definitely made a difference, uh, especially when he was coming in, like in gadget packages and different things. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like he was asked to drop back and throw the ball thirty times a game, right? Like. If you look at his last year in the regular season, he actually started, sorry, he started eight games. I thought he started four. He actually started eight games. But he only threw four touchdown passes. That's pretty despicable, actually. He he, he completed 72% of his passes for 928 yards. He averaged 7.8 yards per completion, Okay. But he ran the ball 87 times for 457 yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah, he he's a runner, man. He's not. He, he's not. A, I don't think he's a pure quarterback, right? Uh, right. If you're getting um, almost 100 carries in eight games, which is roughly half a season's worth, you're looking yeah. at 200 carries a year, which puts you in the category of a possible starting back, a starting yeah. running back in the league, right? If yeah. you're getting 200-plus uh, attempts at rushing the ball, you are starting running back in the NFL, I think so. You know? I mean, much. I mean, yeah. And here's the thing. Here's the problem that I have with, with Taysom Hill is we didn't really see it last year a whole bunch, but what happens if someone comes out and punches New Orleans in the mouth and they go down 17 to nothing? Is Taysom Hill capable of leading a comeback? I don't think so. And that's where you have to bring in Jamison. Jamison is going to be YOLO. You only live once, aired out. Someone's going to pick it up. If it's not the opposite, it's going to be your receiver, you know. That's yeah. Jamison Winston's mentality. Someone's going to catch the ball. I'm just going to throw it out there. 
someone's going to catch it. First person to do a 30-30, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions (laughs) ever, right? So this guy plays like he's only living once. He's he's young and he's living once and, you know, somebody he's he's making somebody's uh, a cornerback stats better basically yeah. when he's out there. Yeah, you got to just hold it and just if you're a Saints fan and Dennis Winston's playing you just got to pray because then they, you know just hope. But you know he's supposedly had corrective eye surgery which is the problem for him. We haven't really seen him be a starter in 2 years. So I, I I'm kind of curious. The Saints should have kept Teddy Bridgewater when they, they had him. They, they should have because I think the Saints. He's a manager. He's he's a game manager that they need with Kamara, with Thomas, <clears throat> with the other weapons that they have. Uh, it makes sense to have someone that can manage the game to ups and downs. If you go down seventeen, there's there's not a chance that Teddy's going to bring you back and win it, but he'll give you a fighting shot at it. I think he's got a good chance. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that I think could easily be someone who occasionally throws for 300 yards in a game, but also maybe averages like 275 in the air. And, you, you know, you got Kamara and you got Latavius Murray. You don't need uh, Taysom Hill grinding out carries. So I think right, Teddy right. would have been a very – I think the Saints are probably at least a 9 or 10 win team right now if Teddy Bridgewater is the starter. I know he struggled in Carolina – but you got to look at that system and, and some of the, you know, the, the defense was completely rebuilding. Uh, so you can't really put that all on him. Because I thought Teddy Bridgewater put out in a lot of positions last year to win games. But they're... I agree. First, first year coach, too, Matt Rule, right? Yeah. You know, a lot, of, a lot of changes in the organization from defense yeah. to offense. You don't have Christian McCaffrey, which is your number one weapon. You right. don't have him for. What, he played two games season. last year. He played two games, I think, last year. I think he played three. He played. He appeared in three games last year yeah. total. Yeah, you don't have your top your your top target there. Uh, you you know, uh, he did. He kept them afloat. I would say, you know, yeah. relatively. You know, um, but again, going back to the Saints, though, like Teddy Bridgewater on that Saints team right now would have been pretty good, I think, in my opinion. He protects the ball. He won't. He won't have a a, a bunch of absurd interceptions the way. Jameis would, right? Right, right. Yeah, he would have definitely been a good fit. Uh, but uh, moving on here, um, I wanted to ask you some more NFL questions and discuss this a little bit. Uh, I didn't know if you got a chance to watch a little bit of the preseason, but who do you think was more impressive in their debut, Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson? I mean, I'm bipartial, and I have to say Zach Wilson, but I mean, the only reason why is because Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence got hit, got sacked twice. Yeah. And one of the sacks that uh, that he got hit with, I think he held on to the ball too long. They both right. were six for nine, uh, 71 yards and 69 yards, uh, you know, equivalently. Wilson went six, six for nine uh, for 69, and then his longest completion was, I think, 16 yards. Trevor Lawrence was 35. Again, they're sitting at the same completion percentage. They're sitting at the same moves, but Trevor Lawrence took two sacks. That's the only right. difference. So I, I say Zach Wilson, and, and keep in mind, I think that um, I expected a lot. Travis Etienne only had one carry, which was like kind of kind of sh- uh, shocking to me. I would think that they would try to give Etienne a chance to get going in the preseason sure. to be a good compliment to, to Trevor. Whereas the Jets, on the other hand, uh, they did a good they did a good job with their you know, their backup committee. Carter got a couple of carries. He didn't do yeah. much with it, you know. Um, <clears throat> but Ty Johnson came in. And uh, you had uh, LaMichael uh, Perrine come in as well. He had a touchdown. So I think, uh, I, again, overall, from a management perspective, I still say that Zach Wilson uh, did a little bit better. Not not a whole lot better, a little bit better, only because um, he, took, he didn't take any hits. He didn't throw the ball away uh, on, on any bad calls. He didn't have any turnovers. Neither did Trevor Lawrence for that matter. So, Urban Meyer didn't exactly have a glowing assessment of Trevor Lawrence's first preseason game, uh, saying he was disappointed with the, off- with the team's offensive performance. And I don't know if Urban Meyer is expecting, uh, like, college type of scoring in the NFL, but uh, I think he's in for, like, a slippery slope down if he doesn't change his attitude about that team. He's got to really look at it from a very, uh, you know, secular perspective where he can focus in – on what he needs to make better uh, for for the for the organization for the team instead of bitching and moaning about their their number one pick and right. the offense not getting it going, you know. 
Well, you know, he's not used to losing. Uh, but here's the thing. I I was against this kind of coaching hire from day one, and if I was Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville had the number one pick, I almost would have gone back to college in the hope that a franchise might – a different franchise might end up with the number one pick next year. Urban Meyer has never coached a day in the NFL. He has never been an assistant. He's never been a, a coordinator. He's never – you know, you see some coaches that were in college that – at least either played in the NFL. Played. Played. The biggest thing is played. They played in the NFL, and they're like, you know what? Even if I'm a third stringer, uh, it doesn't make a difference. I still have a taste of the NFL, and I'm going to give my sh- take my shot to, to like the, uh, you know, the smaller, the lesser-known D1 schools, you know? Right. And, and you know, we call, you know, we've seen a lot of coaches uh, that came from college have success in the NFL. We've had some other coaches burn out. Nick Saban did not work out good in the NFL. Some people could blame it on the Miami Dolphins quarterback situation and them not going after Drew Brees. But Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, these were great college coaches that that could not translate to, to good NFL careers, right? And the biggest key of that was a lot of them did not have NFL experience. Nick Saban had a little bit. I believe he was either on, he was on Belichick. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It wasn't for a very long time. And Spurrier had zero NFL experience. Urban Meyer has no NFL experience. If you look at guys that translated to the NFL from college, when you had, uh, like, like Hardball did really well and um, Pete Carroll did really well, they all had NFL experience. Uh, it, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury also has, I mean, not the same types of NFL experience, but NFL experience nonetheless, right? Yeah, well, the jury's still out on him. So, but right. I, I think Urban Meyer, I don't think he's going to last very long unless he can change his approach a little bit uh, and tamper down expectations. Uh, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I think Urban Meyer. Um, we'll see it's the first game. Let's not let's not rush to conclusions. But um, I, to me, this was a bad hire, um, and so um, we'll kind of see how things play out. But I wanted to say we got Raj on the line from the Rum Boys. We're going to talk a little fantasy football, and we're going to start off with a little fantasy factor fiction. So hopefully our audio is working better for Raj. Let's see. Um, Raj, are you there? Can you hear us? Can you hear me? Are we good? Yep. All right. Yep, um, we're good. Yep, we can hear you. Perfect. You sound a little far away from your mic, but other than that, we can hear you. So, uh, hey, Raj. So, how's how's things going for the Rum Boys? What's been uh, what's been going on with uh, your neck of the woods currently? Oh man, it's been going great. Um, so I told you guys about the uh, Expo, the Fantasy Football Expo, obviously. So, um, I wasn't able to make it, obviously, because I'm over in Canada. But, um, from all accounts, the boys had a great time. Um, my boy Robbie, he hosted a draft night out over in uh, Canton, and uh, yeah, it went great. So that's basically the new news. Awesome. When's uh, when's the next episode dropping for you guys? So um, I believe we're going to be doing play by play um, whenever we get a chance, and then Friday we're going to be doing, of course, our fun show, Rumboys After Dark. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds like a sounds like a great time. Uh, we wish you guys continued success. So uh, we're going to go right into this, uh, Raj. We're going to play a little fantasy factor fiction. And uh, then, you know, after we ask you this, uh, we'll kind of chime in uh, with our two cents if you have any, Sam. So, um, first one on the list here for Fantasy Factor Fiction. We got Factor Fiction. Saquon Barkley is worthy of a first-round pick. I got to say fact. And um, maybe not, you know, people were drafting, you know, third overall, fourth overall, even higher than that um, previous years. But um, he's worth a mid to late first rounder. If you're drafting good him luck. anywhere from seven to twelve, you're in a good position. I think that's good value. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good pick, and I, I think it's a it, Saquon's definitely a great first round pick again because uh, it's uh, the, his, it's his contract year. He has to prove it. You know, he his future kind of depends on his production this year. So I think he's going to come out. Hopefully, like, he's, he stays healthy, he comes back healthy, he stays healthy, he's going to tear it up, you know, in the same I, way. 
I just don't see it happening. I, I don't think he's going to stay healthy. I don't see him staying on the field because I also don't think. Well, I mean, that's because you're Asian in your eyes, right? you got to open them. That's why you can't see it happening, right? Hey, listen, he's coming back from a torn ACL. I, I, you know, I don't, I think for at least six to eight games, he's not going to be himself for, and then so you're getting basically half a season's worth of production potentially. I, I don't know, man. We'll see. I'm I'm not high on on uh, Saquon Barkley. I, on my the upside of being able to get an RB one at ten, eleven, twelve is just too much. I don't think he's an RB one at all. And I, right now, I got him going in the fourth round. I have him on, on the fourth round in my in my uh, big board. So if he's there in the fourth round, I might consider taking him, but not before it. That's absolutely ridiculous. Not gonna. <laughs> all right. Next question. Fact or fiction, Travis Kelsey is worthy of a first-round pick in PPR leagues. Absolutely. Yes. He's going to outscore each and every one of your favorite wide receivers. So, yes. And especially in tight end premium. Um, you know, we saw last year even he killed it, even with Tyreek also killing it. He's going to outscore Devontae Adams. He's going to outscore Tyreek, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown. He's going to outscore all of them and easily worth a first-round pick for me. So you, you think that uh, Watkins going, Hardman moving, kind of moving up the chains. You have Hill, you have Hardman, you have Kelsey. Um, you hear. still think you still think that, and you have Ch out of the backfield as well, right? So um, you still think that the targets are still going to be fully there, even though they're, they're, they're trying to move Hardman into that secondary role after Hill. Man, that's small fish for me. Um, yeah, maybe the touches will go down. Even then he will still be the highest scoring tight end in the league. Unless, you know, a George Kittle, George Kittle comes back crazy from injury. Darren Waller yeah, I mean, I would say, I, I think, I think I, a monster year from Kittle is possible as well. Healthy oh, Kittle, this year, actually, you can have another crazy year from Kittle. What about Waller? Waller, too. Waller. I love Waller. Though, though I, don't like, I don't like that system, man. I don't like that, that uh, Raiders system where Ruggs, I mean, he got underused last year. I get it. He was a rookie. I, I don't know. Derek Carr is very cautious. He plays very conservative. Yeah, I mean, hit or miss sometimes. Yeah, he won't. He probably won't throw picks like left, right, and center. But he'll probably end up with, uh, you know, a possible. He could possibly get like a fifty-yard touchdown, but he won't pull the trigger on it. You know. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one. Factor fiction. J.K. Dobbins finishes as a top five running back in fantasy this year. No. And whether it's PPR or standard, either I or. I don't care. Not no way, Jose. Dobbins. Yeah. So you got Lamar Jackson. Obviously, he each and every season of his career has had over, well, I think, uh, 150 rushing attempts and over a thousand yards in the last two seasons. So that can never, that's not going to bode well for J.K. Dobbins. He's also in a hell of a timeshare with Gus Butt. Um, obviously, Gus Edwards is going to be the primary goal line and third down back. So I don't think he ends up as top five. Well, I do think if he can get catches out of the back in a PPR league, I do think the potential is there. Um, if he, you know, can pull in maybe 40, 40, 50 catches for, you know, 400 yards or so and add a couple of scores. Because I, I do think he's going to go over 1,000 yards this year. Um, I think he's going to be uh, a big surprise. I don't know if he'll be top five, but I can definitely see him being a top ten back this year in fantasy. Next one. All right, guys. Uh, back to your fiction. Ezekiel Elliott will once again lead the NFL in rushing this year. Um, no. I'm going to have to go, say, go ahead and say no as well. I've got, I mean, just, with a healthy back and the offensive line staying healthy, did, does he get anywhere close to what he was two, three years ago? You have to have a potent. You have to have a potent passing game in order for him to replicate like the same things because. Right. If if you don't if you notice the years that Z kind of went off he they the play actions like were were great because it threw the defenses off and it gave Zeke the next down gave him you know a hole that he could run eight yards for you know and he was racking up yardage like that so it, I think that the whole offense is predicated on how Prescott works with Cooper Lamb and uh, who is it now is it still uh, who's their second receiver. 
Michael Gallup. Galloway, Galloway, yeah. Gallup, Gallup. Gallup, Gallup. I'm thinking Galloway. Oops. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if Zeke still has it in the tank. Um, if he if, but I I don't know where. So Raj, uh, where do you see Ezekiel Elliott ending up fantasy wise this year? Is he a top ten back, or is he kind of someone that's kind of going? He's going to be a top nine back. So even last year we saw with Dak out after week five, with even Tony Pollard getting a decent amount of uh, touches, uh, Zeke ends as RB nine in PPR. So with Dak back and a better offense all around, um, yeah, I, I think he'll end up easily in the top ten. Who has more upside this year, uh, Ezekiel Elliott or Joe Mixon? Well, I just don't like Joe Mixon because he's a bundle. But, um, wow. I would, okay. I would still say, yeah, I would still say um, Zeke because Mixon is still has to say Zeke because Zeke has, still has the O-line. That's yeah. true. Mixon has no O-line, and he's injured-prone at this point, so I would say But you know what? I would have to say that both their quarterback plays are kind of equal because Prescott's coming off the injury, Burrow's coming off the injury. I don't know. Zach you know, is, is far better than Burrow for me. Oh, absolutely. I have to agree. I, I'll, I'll say that as well. He's way better, miles and miles better. But, again, in similar, similar scenarios, they're both coming off of serious injuries. There's going to be a mental aspect of the game that they have to get over. Miles and Miles better. I get it. Dak Prescott has proven more in the league right now because he's been in the league a little bit longer. But I'm not going to go Miles and Miles. I, Burrow was showing a lot last year before he got hurt. If Burrow, uh, Burrow's going to end up. Burrow hasn't even played one full season. So, yes, Miles and Miles ahead is definitely let's, still it. Let's, let's calm down on the hyperbole a little bit. I don't think it's Miles and Miles. We'll see. We're, we're, Joe Burrow and the Bengals are going to shock the world this year. I said the Bengals. Get ready for uh, All right, the next one, fantasy factor fiction. We got uh, Ryan Tannehill finishes as a top five fantasy QB this year. Um, for me, no. I love Ryan Tannehill. I, I hope he does, but I don't think so. Um, decent amount of guys that I have ahead of him. So, obviously, they're like the big names. Mahomes, Allen, Murray, uh, Lamar. And then that's like my tier one of QBs. After that, you've got... Sure. Um, sorry? No, I said sure, sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay yeah. And then, and then uh, my next tier, I've got guys like Dak, Rogers, Wilson, even Herbert. And this, is, this isn't really an order. This is kind of like my tier. And then if I were to rank them... There's no Brady have, in either tiers? See, I'm getting to that. So for me, um, if I were to rank the tiers... Brady and Tannehill would be right at the top of my third tier on the cusp of the second tier. So he, so I have Ryan Tannehill ending up anywhere from like QB eight to twelve. So I could possibly see that, but you know, I last year I know Dak got hurt, uh, so it's not really uh, necessarily a fair comparison because he, you know, before Dak got hurt, he was on pace of just shatter. Oh, yeah, he's, he's on pace to go 5,000 yards, and, yeah, yeah he's going to go nuts. Crazy. But I, I don't know. I still I like Tannehill because he's got the, a little bit of ability to um, to run the ball, and he's got uh, – you know, he's good for, what, a couple couple rushing touchdowns every single year. Uh, but last year he finished one, two, three, four, five, six. And Yahoo, he finished as QB number eight. So he was behind. Um, uh, he was behind uh, Herbert um, and Brady and Tyler and Russell and Deshaun Watson, who won't be a factor this year, and Mahomes and Rogers and Josh Allen. So I, I don't know if he uh, he can throw. You know. 30-plus touchdown passes with Julio Jones there and A.J. Brown. I, I think he sneakily – he could quietly put together a top-five season, especially with Kyler Murray. He's on the smaller side. He's always a threat to get hurt. Uh, same with Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson can't stop catching COVID. So, you know, there's always a good chance he misses some time with that too. Um, yeah, barring injury, I have him a little bit lower, but – if there is any injuries or anything, yeah, he could be top five. 
All right, that was fantasy factor fiction. So we're just going to ask you a couple questions, Raj, and uh, for for 2021 fantasy, some of your expertise on stuff. If you anybody wants to call in and ask Raj your questions, uh, the call in number is 563-999-3761. That's 563-999-3761. Uh, so, Sam, if you have any questions, I'm going to fire off one here. Um, but uh, how uh, high would you put McCole Hardman as far as uh, what round would you look to possibly take him in uh, in, let's say, a 10-team PPR league? In a 10-team, uh, let me pull my cookies real quick. Um, I would, okay. Uh, See, in it, the only thing is, the, the Mike, the only thing I would say for a 10-team, sorry to cut you off, Roger, the only thing I would say for a 10-team is that I feel like there there will be better options available, you know, um, because there's more players in general available. The 12th or 13th round pick, you wouldn't even consider him as a late-round flyer? No, 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 I definitely would. Absolutely, I absolutely definitely would. But what I'm saying is that if you have a better option available there for some reason because yeah. you have 10 teams you have a you know you have a chance of, of a lot of players just slipping under the radar you know you might pick up a nice tight end later on and say bye-bye to Hardman right okay um uh, so okay go ahead Ross go ahead go ahead so um I, I don't have a 10 team kind of like draft or big board made but um in 12 team I have not going at the end of the ninth round um, okay. So that would be so for uh, receivers. That would be in the like kind of range of Jarvis Landry, Elijah Moore. They, these guys are a little bit ahead of him, and then uh, Darnell Mooney, um, Hollywood Brown, and Michael Gallup. So if that gives you a kind of like a good indication of where I have him, um, so he would be around wide receiver fifty for me. Gotcha. Okay. I got a question for you, Raj. Um, Going to switching gears to, to, to tight end, um, on your board, how uh, would you put Hawkinson outside your top five or within your top five? Um, and we're I talking 12-team standard, okay. no PPR. Um, I have him actually, so it kind of, it, I don't know how I feel about Kyle Pitts just yet, but um, I have him as my 580. Or yeah, I guess my five eight. Um, so I, I have um, Travis Kelsey number one, Darren Waller, George Kittle as my two A two B. Then I've got Mark Andrews, who I don't know how to feel about at number four. I think if he can get an increase in targets, um, and especially red zone touches, I think he can be number four. Then I have Hawkinson and Pitts as my five A and five B. Yeah, so but the only I problem could, is, is Mark Andrews. You know, the, his quarterback can't throw five yards accurately. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that to some of those fans, but if I'm going from an unbiased fantasy opinion, then um, yeah, I got Mark Andrews there. Uh, Raj, from your perspective, who is the Texans running back to own this year between Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, Rex Burkhead, and David Johnson? None. Zero. Don't take any of them. They're all bums. <laughs> Everyone's saying Lindsay right now, but like it's I'm telling you, it's it's such a useless scenario that I wouldn't own any piece of that backfield. Yeah, no, I, I would not. Okay. Lindsay right. has looked Sorry, good right. camp, but no, 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 you're good. Sorry. Um, if if any of them, that it's going to be a very dire situation. And I was actually in the situation in the Scott Fishbowl. I was tight on running backs. My my running back one and two was Najee Harris and um, and Ronald Jones. So I had to get a third RB. And out of the three guys, I actually did pick David Johnson. I'm, I have him about the uh, running back 35 right now. So that's around guys like um, Leonard Fournette, Gus Edwards, James Conner, that kind of range. And you're um, expecting David Johnson to have to take a couple of games before he takes over the job, right? Yeah, 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 I think so. Because he's sitting third right now. He's sitting behind Ingham. He is, yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think if there's anything, any guy that you would want to own, it is David Johnson. Um, like Philip Lindsay, yeah, he's already same thing with uh, Mark Ingram. Obviously, he's a little bit older. Lindsay gets so, hurt a lot. Lindsay does get hurt a lot, and that's what I'm. I, I don't want to say banking on, but he has shown to be injury prone. So Mark Ingram, I think, will start off the season. It'll be good. He'll be 
halfway decent, I guess, for a couple games. And then, barring injury again with Lindsey, um, I think Dave Johnson will be the starter by, like, say, week five, six. Okay. I got one more for you, Raj, before I let you go. Um, I, I Before I – you know, that's the last question I have for you. Um, mm-hmm. What week do you think Justin Fields is going to be taking over the job full-time in Chicago? Ooh, I like that. Um, I actually did write this down. So, because he's going to take it, right? That's not a – there's oh. no doubt about it. He's going to take it. It's just okay, it's, no the doubt. question is when. Because when he does, that's when Montgomery stock goes up, Mooney stock goes up. A lot of, lot of uh, Chicago player stocks will probably go up. You know, once he yeah. takes over that job. Um, I think okay. Um, I've got him at week four against the Lions. I think that's like the time where, um, like that's right when he'll be ready to start. So just like, uh, you know, he has a little bit of time to be under, I guess, Andy Dalton, if you want to say. Um, you'll learn the system, learn the NFL a bit, and uh, obviously he'll get snaps. You know, he'll get um some play time. That's a given, but um, I think yeah, they'll start him fairly, fairly early. I have seen a lot of people haven't started that haven't started week one against the Rams, but I think if the Bears and it, like if the organization wants to boost his confidence, week four against the Lions is the week to do it. You really think a divisional game? I think divisional games are trap games, man. They could be, but again, it's the Lions and their secondary. So, oh, they for me, that's yeah, absolutely terrible. Exactly. So, that, so that's – if he wants a confidence boost, I think that's the game that they would want to start. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, cool. That's all for me, Mike. All right. Thanks, Raj, for joining us. Uh, Raj will be uh, randomly popping in on our podcast throughout the uh, throughout the football season here. We enjoy your time. Uh, make sure you check out the Rum Boys. Uh, what's, the, uh, what's the handle or what's the address they can find you at on YouTube? All right, so, so um, over on YouTube uh, at Rumboys Fantasy Network, find me on Twitter at Rumboys Raj. Uh, that's Rumboys spelled with a Z R A J. And um, yeah, you can find my article articles on Rumboys.com. We'll be doing um, weekly recaps of the Steelers and basically anything to do with the Steelers. Um, but that's about it. Um, thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, have a good day. Awesome. Thanks, Raj. Thank you. All moving right. on, Mike. What's that? I said moving on. Yeah, moving on. So uh, we're going to go here to our last segment of the day. And also, like like as always, if you want to call in, you have any different opinions from what you hear, you just want to tell us that we suck, you feel free to call in at 563-999-3761. Um, so the latest fight, it looks like, for Dustin Poyer is, uh, if I pronounce that right, or Poyer. Oh, uh, you did. You did. You did. He's going to be fighting Nate Diaz. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Oh man, I love it. I love it. I I I, I like both the Diaz brothers. I like um I like their style of uh, of fighting. I like the grit. I like the um uh you know I I just enjoy. It. They're very entertaining fighters. You know you can see them uh you know do a lot of uh different stuff from grappling to on the ground. Their jujitsu skills are phenomenal. They're great stand-up. Both of them are now phenomenal at stand-up, too. And I haven't seen Nate fight in so many years that it's like I have to it's, – it's time now. It's time that I see him fight again. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a good fight. And I hope I hope he comes, comes uh, you know, comes out victorious. Now, um, I don't believe these guys have fought before, Nate Diaz. They have not. Yeah, this will be an interesting matchup. We saw um, Conor McGregor split his fights with Nate Diaz. Um, so we're going to see – we've seen Poirier t- took uh, two out of three from Conor McGregor. Um, I honestly think um, Poirier is going to win this one uh, fairly handedly because I do believe that Nate Diaz is kind of – I don't know. I don't want to say past his prime, but he's he's 36 years old, man. And I just – I don't know if I really see – he's lost three out of his last four fights, uh, his last win coming in 2019 against Anthony Pettis. Uh, but he's lost to Conor McGregor, Masvidal, and Leon Edwards. And uh, two of those were decisions, and then he was TKO'd by Masvidal. 
Yeah, I mean, again, the 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 options are. I mean, the it's still a wild card. I still I still feel like anything can happen in one of those kinds of fights. So he can put himself right back on the map. You know, either fighter actually could do that. You know, uh, you know, um, with a win over, you know, Diaz beats Dustin or vice versa. I think they're they're starting with a little steam, you know, in their division of of you know getting a better fight possibly. It stood. Um, it should uh, draw pay-per-view buys for sure because D- Diaz sells fights. Um, he like like you said, he's a great talker. He knows how to sell a fight. I, I think that pay-per-view for UFC is going to draw a lot of numbers. Uh, but it'll, I, it, you know, it's it. That's the kind of fight that kind of moves the needle. Some of these UFC main events, unless you're a diehard UFC fan, it doesn't move the needle with the general public. I think Nate Diaz uh, will move that needle. Kind of, he's kind of like uh, a Masvidal or Conor McGregor or John Jones in the sense that your casual fight fans know who he is, and it, he knows how to uh, put butts in seats. Oh yeah, I have to agree. And plus, he has a great following, right? So I think he has a great fan base that kind of stands behind him, win or lose type of scenario, yep. and um, that that's that just goes to show you like, he's also a pretty humble guy, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. a bit of a dick, you know, when it comes to answering questions and speaking to people and he, or even he plays a part of the actor, but when it comes to the people, you ask people in his town, he's still, he's still around. He still hangs out with them. He still talks to them. He's a normal person to them. You know, that's what makes him kind of like a fan favorite really. All right. Uh, now I'm going over to the world of fake fighting, although most, guys probably wouldn't like to hear that, but uh, WWE and AEW. Uh, WWE has been in the news recently for a lot of high-profile cuts. A lot of times, you don't... When WWE gets rid of people, uh, they're usually people you really haven't heard that much about. Uh, they need to go reinvent themselves. Or if they do leave for another promotion, it's it's through free agency. Um, their contract is up, and, and WWE just doesn't want to resign them. That's not been the case. They've cut a lot of high-profile talent, including Bray, Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman and Aleister Black. Uh, but uh, I wanted to get your thoughts. Is, AE, is AEW, especially with the thoughts that CM Punk and Daniel Bryan might soon be in the fold, are they catching up to WWE, or is that still are they still a ways off? I seriously think this could be like another screw job from Vince. Um, like, uh it could be part of a move where he then just acquires AEW, right? Um, it could be something crazy like that. But, I mean, look, they are catching steam, yes, but it's still – WWE is still a brand that you can't replicate. You can get close to it. You can poach its, its players. You can replicate its matches. You can get close to it, but you can't be exactly it. So, um, And I, I actually was reading an article that – you know, some someone was mentioned that Bray Wyatt should just quit wrestling altogether and go into making horror movies because he's so good at acting. You know, yeah. Uh, so some of these some of these wrestlers are now realizing that they have for WWE or AEW now with John Cena, The Rock, uh, sure. Batista, all these guys going mainstream. Edge and Christian both holding smaller roles. Um, you know, uh, so it's a possibility that they're catching steam. But uh, I mean, hey man. You never know what's up Vince's sleeve, so he's uh, just making a move to buy AEW in like a year. <laughs> I don't think he. I, I don't. He, the problem I have right now is WWE has become insanely repetitive. There's too much television time and not enough quality content. And if you look at AEW Rampage, uh, which premiered last Friday, they only had three matches. Right, and they all blew the roof off of it in the hour time that they had, and we saw Christian Cage. Uh, beat Kenny Omega for the TNA World, uh, or what is it? It's not TNA anymore. The Impact World Championship now. Um, then you saw Britt Baker win her match, and then I, I forget uh, who the what the third match was, but apparently it was all very high quality. Yeah, no, it drew, it definitely drew in ratings, but like again, it's a flash in the pan. I think you know, I don't think it's sustainable over but, ten years. You know. But WCW wasn't a flash in the pan where WCW ended up. They were relevant for years, but then again, WCW is backed by like a billionaire, right? So and it was AEW. They're backed by by 
Tony Khan. Who has oh, really? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, Shad Khan, you mean? Shad Khan, sorry. Tony Khan, his son, runs AEW. But oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that he owns AEW. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. interesting. Okay, but still, still not as big as Ted Turner. Not yet, but, you no. know, I, they, they also have a TV deal with, with TNT. So they're, they're yeah, they're, yeah, but I mean, very similar. I don't know. I'm I, I'm not saying that I don't like AEW. I'm just saying that once it catches a lot more steam, I'll probably be a little bit more vigilant to what's happening. But I still have my eyes set on WWE, really. You know, but regardless uh, of what they're doing, what do you think of the current problem within WWE, which is um, not developing enough new young stars and relying on old guys from days gone by to come back and save them. Because if, if you, real quick, if you look at when WCW kind of raided WWE and they started taking all the guys like Kurt Hennig and Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage and Kevin Nash and Scott Hall WWE was in some dark days around like 1995, 1996, where the, you know, they didn't have a lot of top end talent yet. They were kind of being carried by Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker to an extent. Uh, But there was a lot of young talent in the pipeline coming up. They had guys like The Rock, who hadn't really made a name for himself. They had John Cena coming around the corner. John Cena came in the later 2000s, in 2001, but I'm talking like that 97, like right before the Attitude Era. Oh, so like uh, even Austin was picking up steam then. Austin, The Rock, uh, you had, um, you know, a, a lot of young young guys. Uh, Owen Hart was still with the company, uh, but you had talent coming up, and they weren't reaching back into the well to pull in all these old past their prime stars to come in for a run here, there, or to pick up steam, they developed young talent. And I feel like a lot of the young talent WWE had back from like 2012 timeframe to, to like 2017, a lot of it they, they let go or they didn't develop properly. You look at Dean Ambrose, who's a huge star in AEW, they kind of wasted him away after they broke up the shield. Right. Um, and, me, letting go of Braun Strowman, who was always severely underused and, and poorly booked, uh, was a huge mistake. Uh, and and then uh, and they just they they relied on Brock Lesnar and John Cena and Sting and Triple H and you know Batista coming back and now old ass Randy man, Orton. Randy Orton. They're not developing and pushing new stars like we saw in the Attitude Era and, and the Ruthless Aggression Era. Yeah, no, I, I have to agree with that, you know, and, and they have to do a better job. You know, I, I know they had NXT that was supposed to be their, their you know, uh, development, you know, wrestling league sort of, you know, in a way. So yeah. I, WWE is facing a lot of, you know, new horizons that they have to figure out and fix things. So let's see what happens. Uh, we'll see. I just, you know, I think for SummerSlam right now, you got Goldberg challenging Bobby Lashley for the title, and you got John Cena versus Roman Reigns. That Those are your two top titles in the company, the Universal and the WWE Championship. And you have has-beens, Goldberg uh, and uh, John Cena fighting for the titles. Why are those spots not going to someone like Kevin Owens or Seth Rollins or, you know, one of the other, you know, someone like hopefully Biggie Langston, you know, he'll cash in. But there's there's other talent, Finn Baylor. They're just, you know, they're, they keep giving these title shots to old guys who are past their primes. And I and it's I think it's turned a lot of viewers off. Um and it's, it's honestly what WCW did in the latter days of its promotion when you had, like, Hulk Hogan hanging on to the title and you had Kevin Nash winning with the finger poke of doom. Um, Jeff Jarrett was a world champion. And they let guys like Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio and Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit <laughs> – and the big show, who was really young at the time and going by the Giant, they all walked to go to the WWE, and they all became major stars. And WCW started 
going down those paths of just going with the NWA, NWO uh, angle till it died, and eventually WCW died. And WWE is not at a point where it's going to die yet because AEW doesn't have the capital to buy out WWE. But if they don't get things corrected and soon and start developing new talent, I don't know if WWE will exist in 10 years. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's it's debatable because, you know, they've been making so many changes. But, again, the hope is that it's been around for such a long time that they'll continue to do so. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, you know, uh, we had some technical difficulties early, but we kind of had the show time that we covered in the first show before we kind of abruptly ended it and tried to go back into a new episode. Uh, so we're just going to cover one last thing quick. Um, I just wanted to talk to you real quick and get your uh, pick for the Jake Paul Tyron uh, Woodley fight that's coming up in two weeks. I'm going. I'm going Woodley because he hopefully he punches uh, hard enough where Paul feels it. So we'll see. All right. I, I also because I hate Paul again. That's I it. do. I don't think you know. I don't like Jake Paul either. I uh, went back and forth with him a little through our Twitter account. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I think he's someone who's padded his stats, so to speak. Um, you know, he, he fought, what, Nate Robinson, who's five foot eight, and he fought Ben Askren. Woodley, even Woodley, like, yeah, if he beat Woodley, I'd be somewhat impressed, but he hasn't, he hasn't beat a boxer. And beating Adrian and Tyron, Tyron uh, Woodley, who has spent their life in the cage and doing mixed martial arts where they can go in and tackle and use their legs and not just their fists, it's a completely different kind of muscle memory, right? Like, you know, and so to go up against a boxer who, who that's all they know, that's, that's if, if Jake Paul beats a legit, and I'm not saying he has to beat Canelo Alvarez or Errol Spence, or someone of that ilk that's, like, a world champion right now. But if he just fights some guy who's maybe had, like, 30 – like, someone at least that I've heard of that's a boxer, even if he's past his prime, I would be a lot more impressed than continuing to fight these MMA guys uh, because, to me, the muscle memory is different. Uh, you have to train your body in different ways, and that, that takes time. And so, I, you know, I'm just – I'm not impressed with uh, who he's fought. And he can sit there and talk all he wants that, you know, oh, Roy Jones Jr. and Floyd Mayweather and these guys didn't fight anybody in their third or fourth professional fights. But what they did fight were, were other professional boxers. So, Yeah, these guys are not boxers. So, right. you know, let's see what happens. I'm, a hope, I'm hoping Paul loses, though. Yeah, Shut they, that's that mouth up. Uh, yeah, you know, all I can say is uh, up there, fuck you, Jake Paul. So. <laughs> All right, Mike, I'm going to go ahead and drop out from out here in Michigan. Uh, I will catch you on the flip side. You let me know if you catch something, any news that happens on your end. All right. Thank you. Yeah.